The Tigers Podcast with Viking FM. What a goal! Your fortnightly insight into the news, views, and performances at Hull City. Hello, this is the Tigers Podcast from Viking FM. I'm Steve Jordan, and as ever, alongside me to my right hand side is this club legend. It's Windus against Bennett. Here goes Windus. He scores! Fantastic penalty from Dean Windus. And Hull City, with Windus' fourth goal of the season, are back on level terms. Dino, hello, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. Struggling with my uh, sinuses at the minute, but I'm all right. I'm, what is I'm it, getting just, there. Just a cold or hay just, fever? Just or? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've blocked up. Yeah, I cut the grass yesterday. I've not recovered since. Yeah, so it's horrible, I'm, I'm, isn't it? I'm through a blur at the moment. Um, I think it's important that we just take a moment before we crack on to remember the life of Freddie Cowell. Freddie very sadly passed away recently at the age of 91 after 34 years of incredibly loyal service in various roles in our youth setup. He started out as a schoolboy scout in 1978 and went on to discover some of the region's best football talent. You attended his funeral this week, Dean. Um, what yeah. do you remember about Freddie? Yeah, I was um, <clears throat> obviously a young, young kid coming, coming through. I think I met him when I was about 12, 13 year old. Um, and obviously I went on to be a, an apprentice when uh, Brian and Dennis was there as manager. Um, he used to do our log books, do you know, when we used to go to college. Took a little bit of stick, do you know, but it was... A, Hang listen, on a minute, you went to college? I went to college, didn't, wow. we? We didn't learn much, but I went to college. <laughs> no, we had to go to college every every Thursday and obviously he used to, he used to mark our log books and make sure we, 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 we was doing it properly. And But no, listen, he's been at the club, what you just say there, 30 odd years. Um, and it was a great, great turnout for him yesterday. Brian Orton turned up, Dennis Bull, Tom Wilson, John Davis, Max Clark, who obviously knew him as well. So, uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a good turnout for him. The thoughts of everybody at the club go out to Freddie's friends and family at this very difficult time. Also, um, some bad news on the playing side this week. Brian Lenehan decided to retire this week. Um, such a young lad as well, a keen, quiet, shy lad, but so much potential, but never really happened for him. And now he's had to, to pack the game in, which is which is sad. Yeah, especially at 23, I think that, <clears throat> you know, when you have to give up that, that early through injury, you know, I think uh, when he did play, he didn't let the, the club down. You know, playing right back, or obviously he could play centre half as well. But listen, things happen in football, and and hopefully he'll, he'll go on to to do a different career. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a great shame to be fair. And once again, from everybody at the club, uh, Brian, thank you for your service, and good luck in whatever you choose to do in the future. Now, today's episode is with arguably the greatest Tiger of all time. His skill, his stamina, and his eye for goal set him apart. And he very recently became a Hull City Hall of Famer. Simpkin, Houghton, Hobley in the middle. Wagstaff chasing into the post here. Oh! Touched away, but here's Malcolm Lord. Can he get a shot in? Prefers to set up Banks. Here's Frank Banks with a chance. Oh, in the post. He's there. Absolutely delighted to welcome to the Tigers podcast today, former Hull City striker, Ken Wagstaff. Welcome. How are you? Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to sit with my old mate, Dino. Dean, it's fair to say that the man sat next to you is a bit of a legend, slightly. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, obviously, I, I never got the privilege to watch him as a young lad, but 
obviously, yeah, everybody speaks. If anybody talks about all City legends, he's yeah. the first one to, to, to get mentioned. I actually played played with him for ex-Tigers. Yeah, and he won't pass me the ball. I won't pass him the ball. <laughs> he, was go- he was going mad at me every time I didn't pass him the ball. So, and I was only, I was only about 14, 15 at the time. So, no, but no, obviously a privilege and uh, I'm looking forward to this afternoon. Ken, we'll touch on the moments from your amazing career in just a little bit. Can you remark upon what Hull City meant to you as a whole through the career looking back? Obviously, it was a great time and, you know, the supporters were amazing at Hull City, at Bulls Ferry Park and, you know, the times. I remember when I was at Mansfield and Ray Carter come to me one day and said, I want you to come tomorrow in a suit. I said, well, that's a be impossible. I haven't got one. So then... I thought I was going to go to Nottingham Forest or Derby and he said, no, you're going to Hull City. And I thought, why? I've never heard of Hull City. I've played here, but it never entered my head that I was going to come to Hull City. And then I realised that Rach Carter was a big friend of Harold Needless. And I don't know whether he got back under or not, but that's how I got to Hull. <laughs> so when you look at football now, Ken because it's so, so very different from when you were in your heyday in the 60s and 70s and how it is now. Can you believe how much the game has changed since since you were involved? Well, it's amazing how it's changed. As, as I say, I'd, I only last about 20 minutes watching it. You know, this passing back of the ball just does my head in. Because in our day, we were taught to run into spaces and well, there is no spaces now, so I don't know what they do. I mean... Dino understands the things of now of football and how it works, but to me it just doesn't... I switch it off after 20 minutes. I think it's all about possession now, isn't it? Even mm. even when I played, obviously, I think in 2008, 2009, when I left Hull City, is that we, we got the ball forward, you know, from, from the back. Now, you know, the two centre-half split, you know, the goalkeeper's not allowed to kick it to the centre-forward anymore. Um, so it's all possession, you know, and I agree with Ken. I'd rather watch a championship game on television than, one, than watch a Premier League game because, you know, as you say, it's all possession. Nobody can tackle anymore. There's no contact. There's no nobody putting the foot in because, obviously, you know, the referees have been to- told to stand that out. So, yeah, it's changed from when, when we played. I was at Mansfield last last week. I was a guest of Mansfield Town and uh, I watched them play in the top of the league side, Accrington, and I couldn't believe how, how that first and second divisions played it's an entirely different game to when you get to the championship and the and the premiership you know I mean it's all you know this ball I mean it travels about half the length of the field every time to get it and I I just couldn't but I enjoyed it you know it's nice to watch and play like that and but when when you were a player back in the day uh, and so many years have, have passed since. Could you even then have imagined that one day this club that you hold so dear to your heart would have made it into the top division, would have made it to the FA Cup final, would have made it into Europe? Well, you know, I mean, the club was building from, especially when this lad here scored the goal at Wembley, you know, I was on the holidays and everybody was jumping around and, you know, it was a fantastic time for the... It's nice for the supporters. Remember, we averaged 30,000 when we played and they've never seen this club going to the first division and it was a great privilege and honour to thank these lads for doing it because we became close a few times. 
but could never manage it. You know, I mean, it was a great time for the club and the Wembley one. I went to Wembley. I walked up and down the Wembley Mile and I was knackered and just walking up and down there. So how these people who play on it uh, survive, I don't know. Here's Wilson. Wilson's gone for it. Early goal for Hull City. And Harry Wilson makes it five goals since arriving on loan from Liverpool. The man of the moment. And his hot streak continues. So before we go back to Ken's heyday, Dean, you'd imagine that the wins over QPR and Burton have gone a long, long way in keeping us up. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think that everybody talked about it, you know, two months ago, that the, the main objective is obviously, yeah, it hasn't been a fantastic season. Everybody always asks, are we going to survive? You know, are we going to stay in the championship? So yeah, the QPR game and obviously the, the I was at the Burton game. You know, no disrespect, you know, but Burton, were, that's why they're at the bottom of the league. Um, so, yeah, it was a great performance in the sense of goals. We scored five goals. You know, he changed the team around again, which we mentioned on, on, on the stage. You know, that Woody changed the team after the after the QPR game, and they did do. You know, they played the fringe players. So, yeah, listen, the major, main objective was, was to, to stay in this league. Obviously, not something we are mathematically safe at the minute, but I'm, I'm sure that we, we, we will be in this league next year. Abel Hernandez, of course, is uh, thankfully a, a regular starter these days, particularly at home. Ken, of course, you were famous for scoring the odd goal yourself back in the day. How important is it to have a striker who's kind of always on form and always fills the rest of the team with confidence that there's always a chance of a goal? Well, I mean, you know, you know talking about Burton and how, how bad they are, in the, I mean, it doesn't matter. You've still got to go there and win and yeah. you've got to go with the right tactics and everything and... Well, no, I mean, luckily in my side, we had players who could score goals. I mean, it was Chilo, Butler, Alton, all scored 20 goals when we won the league. And it's very difficult for a player. The only problem with us, we didn't defend that well. You know, I mean, I remember going to switch and losing 5-4 and 4-3s. But as I said, it wouldn't happen nowadays because the more defensively minded than they were in our day. It was all gung-go and everybody goes forward. Dean, and then Sheffield Wednesday happened. Now, you weren't at the game. Yeah. However, um, Sheffield Wednesday obviously came with a game plan and for 90 minutes stuck to it rigidly. How backwards do you think that might have put us before we go to Bristol City I think this weekend? I think it, it's a massive wake-up call because obviously, yes, we're not mathematically safe. So then, obviously, the manager's got to go you know, and, and, and regroup again, you know, and obviously Bristol City are, are doing really well in the championship. It's a tough place to go, is Ashton Gate, you know, so um, you're talking about there with Hernandez, you know, he came back and Ken will tell you as a goal scorer, right? you know, to have somebody who comes back like that, it's like a new signing because you know he's going to get your goals and he has done, you know, and that's what we need. Listen, everybody who comes to the KCOM now, he's, he's, they always sort of come with a, a 4-5-1 system can you break us down? Can we, you know, we'll get you on the counter-attack. You know, Jordan Rhodes, he's always been a goal scorer. So when I heard the news that he'd scored and won the game, it was no surprise to me. But obviously it was a shock that, you know, we did get beat because obviously we'd done well in the last two games. He talks about Abel being a virtual new signing since we lost him very early on in the season. Yeah. Harry Wilson, of course, is another. He, he looks destined to be a great player, doesn't he? Yeah, old Josh, old Josh asked me about him the other day and... Um, you know, he's a good player. He looks about 12. 
But he, 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 is, <laughs> that, is, that helps. But hey, listen, no, the boy's got a talent, you know. Obviously, yes, he's come, he's come from from a big club, you know, and he's he's trying to find his feet, you know, in in the sense of you know getting his career on track. And he's come in and, and he's scored goals for us, and, he, and obviously he's been a, he's been one of the best players. So, can we keep hold of him next year? I hope so, but obviously time will tell. Here's Kamal Grzycki, great first control, left footed, what a finish from Kamal Grzycki! Brilliant technique to bring the ball under control. Then he created the space, got his shot away, left footed, with a wonderful finish beyond Stephen Bywater. Burton Albion nil, Hull City two. Ken, we'll come back to you now. We're going to have a look at your career and pick out a few moments which were really, really important for you in your journey to get to where you are right now, sat in the chair here in the podcast. Mansfield Town, your first club. Can you remember what your first season was like there as a, as a pro footballer? Well, I was at Rotherham first, believe it or not, uh, on the ground staff. And I went to Rotherham to... Um, Whatever it was I went for, I don't know, because when I got there, they had me cleaning toilets and things like that, and I thought, well, this isn't good enough for me. Is that an apprentice or, or just uh, a, apprentice. a janitor's job? So I was apprentice. about three months, so I decided I'd go back home. Uh-huh. And I was playing in the cup finals for Langworth Woodland Imps, and Rach Carter came to see me, who was manager of Mansfield Town then, and he said, I'd like you to come to Mansfield and play for Mansfield. Well, obviously, it was only 10 minutes from where I lived, so... It was easy for me to get to the ground. <laughs> I always remember the time when I lived in Langworth and I used to go on the bus to matches with my boots in a co-op bag, I mean. Brilliant. Uh, you know, wow. on the front seat upstairs, it's wow. unbelievable. Because we had nothing. we come from mining people like the Charltons and, you know, they were great times and, you know, <laughs> nobody put any pressure on you. Only race, you used to have a go at you for not doing this and... He used to come on to the pitch and show us how to take free kicks. and I mean, because he could do anything. So he's a pretty hands-on gaffer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, he was a, everywhere we went, we travelled away. He used to buy all the supporters drinks and everything because they used wow. to say he was the greatest player that ever lived. And I mean, he, he loved things like that race. Yeah. He was a great man. So in all your time at Mansfield, you came away being a very firm fan's favourite. Um, were there good times at Mansfield Town? We had some super times, you know. I mean, I was I was at Mansfield last week to go into the... I had to go on the pitch and everything and this all the fame thing they do. And, and what I found when I went home last week was it's such a lovely club and friendly club and you can feel the warmth of the supporters when you're there, you know, and it, it, as I said, it, it was lucky I came and left because I just love Mansfield Town to bits. So you're in two Hall of Fames then, Mansfield I'm Town and, and here. That's that's good to hear. So you talked earlier on about how Rach brought you here to the city of Hull uh, with Cliff Britton, the manager. Yes, Cliff was... Uh, I don't think... Uh, I think what happened was that, as I said, Rach was a big friend of Harold Needler, who was chairman. The chairman came to watch me and stood in the crowd, believe it or not, Harold Needler, to watch me. And then the next thing I know, I was in the hotel, in the station hotel with Raish and Harold and all the other directors. And 
Ah, it didn't matter where I played. I mean, as he tell you, when you're young and you're playing, it doesn't matter where you're playing, whether it's Mansfield, Old City, Man United. It was great memories of the club and, as I say, I still love my old Mansfield town, you know. And... You scored many a goal for the Stags, you scored many a goal for the Tigers. Are you one of those, well, I know you're in real life, you're very confident person but did you always feel when you went out onto the pitch well, that you were going to score that day yeah well what it is is that if I'm going to get I mean we're talking about the goals I've scored and you, as Dino will tell you they don't have to ask you how many you missed no I was always confident I was always confident when he had the goalkeeper to build, beat Race used to teach me all sorts of things about especially the worst one was when I was in the area and somebody touched me and feel the touch and fall over. You know, I mean, we got 32 penalties one season, which is unbelievable. Wow. 32. Peter Morris was uh, scored 21 goals. He was a midfield player. Well, wow. as I say, I can't emphasise how good Rich was. I mean, when I came to Old City, he was, as I said, he was always there with Rich. But what he did... What what you can't understand is what I couldn't understand in them days. He got me to come to Old City, and I thought he was he was coming, and he went and became the manager of Middlesbrough. So he dumped me here, and we went to Middlesbrough. <laughs> so the very first time I heard about you, I'd have been uh, ten years old, late seventies, and my granddad, who's a, uh, a big Hull City fan, was telling me about Waggy and Chillo. And I didn't know kind of what he was on about, but obviously it was something that I'd missed out on by a few years. Uh, so then went to the library at school, got some books out, read up all about you, and it turns out you had this most amazing sort of telepathic partnership with one of the greatest double acts this, well, this yeah, city's I mean, ever produced. And uh, Chris also got inducted into the, the Hall of Fame recently on the same night that you did. Yes, he did. Tell me about that amazing partnership that you had. Well, I mean... When I was at Mansfield, uh, I don't know, Dino won't remember, but I played with a footballer called Roy Chapman. And with Chilo, you see, I mean, what people don't understand about Chilo, he was a big, big, powerful kid. You know, he was he was massive and he had this ability in the air, which, I, which he was the best error of all I've ever known or seen. You know, I mean, I remember doing a story for a, a paper a few years ago and they asked me about Chillo, and I said, well, I could never have been a Chillo. They said, why? I said, because in my career I had two stitches because somebody stamped on me, and Chillo's had over four, about 400 stitches in his body. Well, he asked me, and Chillo said, you never get it. I said, well, the game's called football, isn't it? You don't have to be stitched and sewn up. But he was a, he was a nice kid. With Chilo, he was one of the best centre-forwards they've ever had at... Well, I would say he, he is the best centre-forward they've had at Old City. Well, he coached me He coached me as a, as a young kid on the back pitch, you know, where, where, where obviously, the where City's gym was. Yeah. And, it, 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 you know, in them days, or even in football, now you do demos, which is like demonstrations how to, how to, how to head a ball or whatever. And when they'd cross the ball, Chris would say, move aside, I'll show you how to head a ball. And as a young kid, you go, wow. Do you know what I mean? I used to go, just edit in the onion bag. I always used to remember saying, edit in the onion bag. Yeah. And, you know, he was, but he was like uh, Ken said, you know, he was a gentleman. You know, he was, he, but he was, he, when he when he spoke, especially when you're a young kid, when he spoke, he listened because he, he knew what he was on about. 
but obviously I didn't get the I didn't have the privilege to, to watch them both play and um, but yeah as you say you know he got in the Hall of Fame be- because what, what you know what he'd achieved at Hull City no he's a leading goal scorer yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So is it something that just happened just magically happened. on a Saturday? Well, I mean, you weren't training during the week just, particularly? It just, it just comes about that it goes like that. It's just, uh, uh, I don't know how it how it comes about, how you react with one another. It just happens. You know, it's nothing sinister or anything like that about it. It just, you know, it, you come together and you play. I remember the first game we played was Exeter City and... He laid a ball off, we flicked a ball on and obviously he knew I was going to be in that position to score. Uh, same with him. It was just a, a thing. I mean, the we went to Australia with the England team in, I think, 66 and we had the top coaches with us, obviously, and uh, they didn't teach us anything. They just said, go out there and play. You wouldn't be here if you couldn't play, wow. they said. So we did, and we, I mean, we were the leading goal scorers on the tour for 13 weeks in Australia. We scored 14, 13 each, I think, 13 and 14 each. You just can't say what happens, like, you know, like when Dino scored at Wembley, why is he in that position where the ball's going to come to him? Yeah. It's instinct of him being able to do that. Mm. It's just instinct of things like that. I mean, I remember at Mansfield once I cut him from the left wing, and the keeper was coming towards me and I played a one-two off the post. Now, not many people wow. have done that. Honestly, I played it at the post, ran round him and scored it either side. That <laughs> is... It is, because, remember, the, the yeah. post's appointed, so you've got to be right on the side where it's going to come that way. Well, as you, as, as you play, you don't you don't know what, what happens, yeah. why you're in that position, or, well, it's a difficult thing to say how it comes about because I'm trying to explain. You don't know, you know, how how it becomes that you work with each other. It's just a telepathy thing that happens. So, apart from not passing, do you think that together at the same age, on the same day, you could have played together or, or do you think maybe you're too oh, similar? quite easy. Yeah. yeah. No, no problem. Yeah. I, I think that obviously because Ken was a, you know, Ken was a poacher, you know, in the sense, and I was I was a little bit like like Chilo towards the end of my career, when I was younger, I was as they call it now a number ten where I'd play just in behind, but as I got older, I I was like a Chilo, I was like the battering ram, and and that's why me and Fraser Campbell, you know, uh, hit it off, yeah, because I said to Fraser, I'll take all the, as Ken just said there, we're waggy, I'll take all the cuts and all the bangs, and you just. You just be like what yeah. Ken Wagstaff was like, and so yeah, you get that understanding where you do obviously you do talk to each other, and you know Chris's strengths and, and Chris knew his strengths, and, and obviously yeah, it just it just happened. <coughs> Back to nineteen sixty six, Ken uh, Division Three champions. How good was that team that you were a part of? Well, yeah, I mean, as I said, we was uh, I mean, how many goals did we score? But you haven't got that written down, have you? And my memory's going as well. No, I think we scored 109 goals. I can remember, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that tells you that we were a forward attack. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, there wasn't just me and Chilo. We had a super team with Simpkin, uh, Butler, who was one of the best wingers in the game. Yeah. 
and uh, get out and who was, I mean, the only weak, well, I don't say weak link was the right wing because we had that many right wingers. We had Max Evney and Ray Henderson and because we played to a pattern, you see, we they pull back and the spacers then are left behind the full-backs of the opposite team and this is where you had to run into. And obviously, for a, for a big man, Chilo was a very powerful runner, you know, and he took some stopping when he got going. Was the fact that you never actually got to put an England shirt on a, well, I a, think, a massive disappointment? Well, not really. Really? Well, no, because they weren't that good at the time, were they? I went with the England thing in the, there's so much bureaucracy in it that uh, the England team had to come from the first division. There was not many players from lower divisions got in the England tide in them days. Not only that, there were some good players about there. And I mean, Chelsea, when we played at Chelsea, they had 10 internationals playing. That don't make them better players than me and Dino were. It was just them times that, you, you know, they they just kept the first division players into that uh, system. And you memorably scored a couple of times against Chelsea. Was that one of your career highlights? Not really. I mean, I scored three goals by Gordon Banks in the thing. It doesn't matter, as, as we spoke earlier about it, goalies don't matter to him or me. They're non-existent when you when I've got the ball. I'm not interested in them. I said, because my mind's made up what I'm going to do anyway. Yeah. I won't change my mind. And a lot of the times, I shut my eyes. <laughs> and believe it or not, I didn't ever... Very rare did I see the ball go in the net. It's just a mental thing. You can't explain... Yeah, that. I've I've actually gone home next day thinking, how have I done that? Everybody talks about that Wembley. But you, you you'll actually sit on a Sunday morning... And obviously you'll watch it on the TV and go, I can't remember doing that. Mm. Because that's the instinct, you see. Yeah, you know what I mean? Lost in the moment. You're lost in the moment. Yeah, but that's the word. As I said earlier, why is he in that position? Yeah. What made him go to that position? Mm. You don't. You can't tell. Mm. That's why you look at Harry Kane and these people now. They get in positions and they don't realise what positions they're going to go in. They imagine where the ball's going to drop, and I think that is half the problem. If that ball's going to come in here... Yeah, but that's an art, that, though, isn't it? Yeah. That's an art. That's you what can't I mean. teach that. You can't teach it. I know, I have an idea, if this ball is going to come across and go in that, I know what position I have to be in. And I, I, what I tried to do was stay out of the way of crosses, especially if they're awry. That's where Chilo came in. Mm. I mean, out of mine, nearly 300 goals, there was only two headers. And they hit me. I didn't hit them. <laughs> they hit me on the head and went in. I mean, I had, my ne- I had my head in my shoulders. I think it was against Bolton and I flicked it on and it went in and I was more surprised than the supporters. You know what I mean? I wasn't the nether of the ball like these kids. I don't... It's not my game. Yeah, I can picture you on my side now, you know, sort of head down, close control... You know, when you when you had the ball at your feet, and 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 I could see how how why you and Chris worked so well together. Like you oh, said, yeah, completely I mean, different styles of football. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times we uh, defenders think you're going to shoot, and we just pass it to each other, and we're only five or six yards out, and yeah. it's impossible to miss. But that is part and parcel of the game. These, as I said, with Jillo, 
I mean, some of the goals he scored, I mean, I remember him scoring a goal. It's on the video of uh, where Butler went down the left wing and Chiller was running across the penalty area and the ball coming for some way he had it. I couldn't believe how he edited it. He edited hmm. it from this side, right into the top corner. I thought, well, how the hell does he do that? Hmm. And people say, well, it's, it's a bit lucky. I said, it isn't luck. He just knows what he's going to do with it. What I could do with my feet, Chilo could do with his head. That is a thing I can say about it. He was a fantastic, as I said, header of the football. And back then as well, the footballs were a lot heavier than they are now. Would you prefer to have played with a lighter ball? As, That's as why I didn't want to edit. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it was wet. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> well, they are like medicine balls, weren't they, when they were yeah, wet? Yeah, well, uh, as I said, I wouldn't know about... Uh, the footballs. I mean, what what I can't understand in football today is I remember playing in snows five inches deep, you know, and now they wouldn't dream of doing it. Yeah. You know, and now I read about they're going to have a break from playing. and I mean, let's be fair, it's not a, a sport where you... You're knackered. Do you, have you hmm. ever said, I want a break? No, no. I think that, listen, obviously now, because the game has changed in the sense of the the surfaces, you know, they're a lot, you know, a lot faster now. The pitches yeah. are a lot faster. They're a lot firmer. So obviously then they get more injuries. You know, it's a lot quicker. You know, so that's, that's why I think you're talking about having a break because it gives these players a chance to recover from a long, sort of long, sort of first half of the season. So they're talking about a winter break or whatever they're going to do. But, Obviously, in their day, they just they play three games in, in a week sometimes. Yeah, probably. we played three games in a week. Yeah, that so. was, yeah. But It did catch up with you, didn't it? Because at the beginning of 72, 73, was it? You you started injured. Was well, that, was that... no, I mean, I didn't miss many games. I'll tell you where the injury occurred. It was at Fulham. Uh-huh. We're playing at Fulham and I went to shoot and my boot studs got caught in the ground, you know, and so as I propelled forward, the stud, the oh, foot stayed where right. it was. Yeah. And I damaged my cartilages. I mean, I had three cartilages out. You know, these are, that's about my only injuries I've had from football. I mean, but I, I'll tell you a funny story. Now, this is true. This. We were playing at home and there was 30,000 and... Just before half time, we got a corner and Chris Chilton, I never went up for the ball. He went into, and he had a gash in his eye. He had at the centre half heads clashed and he had a gash in his eye like that. And I, I, he come running, I come running to where I said, don't come near me, I don't want no blood on me. <laughs> and so in them days, uh, Cliff Britton, sitting there, but he had a phone down to the... To dug out, and he said, uh, "Well, get him off. There's only two minutes to half time." So they took him in. I went to have a look at him, and he had about I don't know, twelve, fourteen stitches in his eye. So we go out. We were winning one nil, and we were under a bit of pressure. Yeah. So I ran over to ten minutes into. I ran over to Cliff uh, to Gus McLean was the physio. Right. Um, so I went over to him, I said, for God's sake, where's Chilo? And he come walking up the tunnel. And I said, where you been? He said, oh, you wouldn't believe what's happened. I said, what's happened? And he said, they'd sewed his eyebrow 
to his eyelid. Oh. And, he, <laughs> and he couldn't see. <laughs> so he had to undo it and re-stitch it. And right. That is about the football. Oh. Yeah, his son, Chilo said, his eyelid, he, he said, I couldn't see out of him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't think they could make them mistakes. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I said, you say, oh dear. So many appearances, many goals for Mansfield Town and for the Tigers. How proud of you when you look back? Well, I'm proud to think that I came from a, a mining community and I always remember when I first started, I was playing with my brother. He used to be the goalkeeper and I was always trying to get the ball by him and that's how I learned. I think that's where I first started to learn my trade as a goal scorer. Because he really could have gone to Rotherham as a right winger, but I, he, when he was with me, he had to go in goal. And for years, I did this thing with him, and maybe that paid off. Mm. But no, I've had a marvellous life, apart from being at Rotherham and cleaning the toilets out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's been great. I've been all over the world nearly with it, and it's super. So up steps David Myler on 62 minutes, and Myler has scored! Burton Albion nil, Hull City three. Right, now we come to the quiz section of the episode myself, and Dean Ken will be asking you five questions all about you. Let's see what you can remember about yourself. Um, the leaderboard stands like this. Top of the shop, Captain Michael Dawson and former boss Leonid Slutsky with five out of five. Tony Pennock, John Beale, Fraser Campbell, Lee Darnborough all with four. Phil Brown, Jackson Irvine, John Hawley, Craig Fagan and David Myler on three. And Will Keane on one out of five. Five questions, Ken. Take your time. We'd love you to get all five here. I didn't here. know it was a question, Oh, it's easy. Dead easy. easy. You will love this. And we won't give you the answer till afterwards. Okay. So, who did you make your goal-scoring Hull City debut against? Exeter. That's question one. Dean. Question two. How much did you move from Mansfield to Hull City for? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it was 40,000 or 49,000. Give us one answer. 40,000. Question three. How many goals did you score in that Division Three title-winning season? 31. Question four. Who did your final Hull City appearance come against? Your final game for Hull City. There's no rush, take your time. Oxford. Final answer, question four, Oxford. Question five. Can you name all three of your managers during your time at the Tigers? Terry Neal. I just forgot the one. Cliff Britton. John Kay. Those are your five questions, and I think I'm right in saying the quickest answers we've had from yeah. any of our contestants so far this season. Okay. <clears throat> How did they do, Steve? I think, I think he's done remarkably well. Question one, 
you did make your goal-scoring debut against Exeter. It was a 3-1 win that day in 1964. Question two, how much did you move from Mansfield to Hull City for? You gave us a choice of two answers. We whittled you down to one and you went for the right one. It was £40,000. forty grand. well spent. Uh, Question three, I think the quickest answer of all of them, the most confident one you gave us, you did score 31 goals when, in 1966, we won the third division title. Question four, who did your final Hull City appearance come against? You said Oxford United. It wasn't Oxford United. It was a Southern team, but not Oxford. Southern? More Southern than Oxford. I don't know. I thought it was Oxford when I got... when I'll tell you why I said Oxford. Because that's when Stuart Pearson played. Right. Stuart Pearson came to play then, because Chilo had left to go to Coventry. Well, here, on the answers that I've been given, because you sound very confident in your answer, which is why I'm, I'm... Struggling with this. I've got Portsmouth. Does that ring a bell? No, it wasn't Portsmouth. Really? No. What do we think, team? Should we give him the five out of five? Because obviously he got Seriously, Chris Terry, Neil and John Kay. Because I remember Jill uh, had gone to Coventry and we had Stuart came in, Pearson, who was a super player. And I remember playing at Oxford and it was my last game. Listen, if he's confident enough, if he, if he I'm not going to argue with that. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's right. And I was only six at the time, so I, how can I argue? So unofficially then, before we check this all out, Ken Wagstaff, you've got five out of five. Find out in the next podcast if we revise that score. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously, it wasn't Portsmouth. We'll ask Sam in the office if we can check it. Well, you can check it. Yeah, but... we'll check it. If you'll say it's right. I think that, I mean, it may, I, I can't, it, it wasn't Portsmouth at that age, time of my life. I wouldn't have travelled all that way. Mackay had some more eight. Great chest technique to bring that under control. Then Jackson Irvine looking the run. He's got two to go at. Here's Campbell Grisicki. Grisicki with a chance. Surely. And he has scored. Campbell Grisicki dancing past Stephen Bywater. Goal on 85 minutes. A calm right-footed finish. And that's the icing on the cake. Burton nil, Hull City four. Ken, it's now time for social media land to ask you some questions. Thank you if you got in touch uh, via Twitter or Facebook. Um, firstly, here, what was your greatest memory wearing black and amber? I think my greatest memory of um, for Hull City was um, playing in the fifth round sixth round of the FA Cup against Stoke where we got beat and playing against uh, Gordon Banks and obviously Chelsea was a big but obviously the proudest moment I ever got was when I played at Bristol Rovers and scored my 200th goal which was an header (laughs) Ben on Twitter says where would the Tigers teams that you played in fare now in modern football Great question, Ben. Thank you. Well, uh, it's um, uh, people go on about them days. It, as Dino said, the pitches are a bit quicker. But I don't think there would be any much different. I mean, not in my case anyway, because I think I'm a goal scorer. Like Chilla was a goal scorer. So it wouldn't stop me scoring goals. 
it just means I'll be playing with good players and uh, I think if you were good players they they might give you the chances to score goals so I was never frightened in front of goal as I said goalies were no non-existent to me you know and how many I've scored over the years it, it it just seemed a natural thing for me to do and it never as I said never bothered me goalkeepers never bothered me <laughs> and once you get that and you had I mean, people used to say, what did you and Chilo, because we always had the same room when we played away. You know, did you discuss playing against these teams and that? I said, no, we just went to sleep. I mean, we didn't have to worry about them. It's them who had to worry about us. Didn't even, like, get a pillow and throw it up in the air for him to hit. No, no, no. (laughs) Jumping off the bed. No. (laughs) We just went to sleep. But uh, uh, if you look at it in a, a logical way, is that... We went to sleep. We didn't have to worry about defenders or goalkeepers. They worried about us. They said, we've got these two lads coming in who are the two biggest scorers in the division. And I think that's why we were picked to go to Australia with the, was it the England League team? Did them trips then for 13 weeks. So Yeah, it was great. And all that on television the other day with the athletics and that. I mean, me and Chilo stayed there for 13 weeks. I mean, and we got 25 quid a day of spending money. Nice. <laughs> so when, when when you played together, if neither of you scored that day, did it prey on your mind or did you just get... No, not really. I mean, it's just like Dino now. I mean, his, when he played, it didn't bother him whether he scored or he didn't score. But if he got the chances, he would score. That is the difference. I think people would say that you have to be there to miss him. Yeah, that's right. If you're not in them positions to miss him, then the managers used to have a go, a go at you. But was you was you afraid to miss the next one? I was like, I was like Ken. I was very confident in front of goal. Um, so you know, you've got to be there to miss him. And you know, the easiest calls are the tappings. You know, and that, you know, you, yeah. As I said earlier, I mean, it's not about. Uh, I mean, you go on how many goals we've scored. I mean, how many have we missed? And so, if you go on with that attitude, you'd be worrying all the time about why he didn't score. But it never enters your head when you're in front of goal. Ken, Mark on Twitter would like to ask you this. Um, Do you believe that money involved today is hindering smaller clubs? I agree with him. I think it's, it's ridiculous what these players get now. And, you know, obviously, the big clubs like Manchester City have just won the league. Why have they won the league? because they've got enough money to buy the best players in the world. And no matter how you look at it, I think that money has ruined football to a point. Yes, I do. I agree with him. But you'd have taken the wages if you were a young lad now. <laughs> well, of course we would. <laughs> of course we would, because that's how, that's how it is now. I mean, I was well paid in my day for what I did. I mean, I was quite happy with £400, £500 a week, because in them days you used to get bonuses for being how high you was up the league you didn't get bonuses for how many goals you scored because that would have made it difficult of us passing the ball to each other wouldn't it thank you for your questions from social media Um, staying on Facebook from our page we're going to shower you with praise now Ken so Tim would like to pass on his best. He said, uh, you were the best player in his lifetime. A joy to stand on the bunkers at Boothbury Park watching you and Chilo every other Saturday. Uh, Owen says, what a great goal scorer. Should have played for England alongside his strike partner, Chris Chilton. True Tiger legends. Dave says, happy memories of going with my dad to Boothbury Park. What a team. Never gave anything but 100%. 
Mike says uh, you're his favourite ever player. Great time growing up watching that great team of 66. It's no, nice that people still remember you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Just done that. This is the Tigers podcast. Here's Pekaya Tamore. He does have options. Ball fist across the face of the goal. And it is a goal over on the far side. And it's Will Keane who gets it on the act. And that's going to be a fifth. Dean, look quickly to the weekend. Uh, tough game on paper at Bristol City. Yeah, like I said earlier on, I think that you go to Ashton Gate and especially the way they've performed this year. Do you know, I think that Lee Johnson has done a fantastic job. Do you know, at the at the start of his managerial career, he struggled. Do you know, he, he found it very difficult and I think he was going to get sacked at one point. But the board have obviously, do you know, they've stood by him. Do you know, and they've had a good cut run this year yeah, as I think well. That's helped, hasn't it? Yeah, they've had a good cut run and that. And well, you need um, that, don't you? You need a good yeah. cut run, and obviously that breeds confidence in the league. So, yes, um, I'm sure that Nigel will, will, uh, you know, will change the team again, <laughs> again. Uh, but listen, we 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 need we probably need a couple of points, and then we'll, we should be alright. Yeah, but let's be fair. I mean, Bristol City, uh, uh, they were right at top of the league, and then for some reason. They've dipped right now. Yeah, they yeah. started well, didn't they? Listen, yeah. It's very difficult Listen, when you when you when you it's lose. Not it. an easy division, no. is it? When you lose, when you lose a playoff final, you know Gary Johnson obviously struggled the second season, and then they, you know they obviously I think they get relegated that year. I think oh, they was at the bottom of the league, weren't they? Mm. You know, in the championship after the playoff final. But like I just said, there it is. A, do you know what? It's a good place to play because they are passionate. Do you know they are a well-supported football club. So it'll be a, it'll be another it'll be another tough game, but you know, as you say, I'm 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 quite sure and positive now that you know then we've got Cardiff at home, which is another big big game. But I'm sure we'll be all right from now to the end of the season. Can Bristol City get into the top six? Then? Yeah, with this yeah, game, yeah, oh. yeah. So you got Bristol City get trying to get in the top six. You've got Cardiff pushing for automatic promotion. You know, and Difficult then game. nobody's on the beach yet. Nobody's on the beach yet. So you'd imagine that Nigel's got one eye on the three games that we've got left, yeah. but also from after May the 6th and recruitment-wise and what he wants to do with the club for his what will be his first pre-season money. Yeah, he'll be looking... Obviously, listen, Nigel will be he'll be desperate to get over the line, be desperate to, to, to you know, obviously to secure the championship status. Uh, there's a lot of players' contracts water up. Um, so, yeah, he's going to have a tough summer as a manager, but that's what... That's what managers get paid for, you know. But I think at this present time, I think that Nigel will be looking, you know, first and foremost, to be safe, and then he can worry about that in in the summer. Well, Dean, thank you for being here once again. All right, no worries. No here on the uh, the Tigers podcast and Ken Wagstaff, an absolute joy, thrill, and a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for giving up your time to be with thank us today. You. Really, really enjoyed having your company once again today and your stories from back in the day. True whole city legend. Thank you for listening and sending in the social media questions. Do keep a lookout on Twitter and Facebook because you have a chance to put a question to our next guest. And of course, we'll tell you on social media who that will be. Best of luck to the boys at Bristol City at the weekend. This has been the Tigers podcast. And of course, up the Tigers. I got the eye of the tiger. Tigers podcast with Viking FM. Adia Adia scored the third goal for Hull City. Can't get enough? Download more Tigers podcasts at HullCityTigers.com. And it's Jared Bowen again. He just cannot stop scoring. And catch the full match commentary on Viking 2 every match day on DAB and on 11.61am. You're gonna hear me.